Hi everyone, welcome to Third Spacing the Podcast, where we explore important issues on the peripheries of clinical medicine in Singapore. I'm your host, Mahima. In this episode, I'm joined by Clydia, who previously worked as a nurse and identifies as a person with hearing loss. In this episode, we discuss issues of access for people with disabilities in healthcare courses, as well as societal attitudes towards individuals with hearing loss and other disabilities. Welcome back to our listeners. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Clydia, who is currently working as a staff nurse and also identifies as a person with a disability. Clydia, welcome to the show. Do you mind just taking a moment to introduce yourself? My name is Clydia and I'm a staff nurse who also happened to have hearing loss. I have bilateral sensory neural hearing loss. On my right, I have the hearing aid and I have severe hearing loss on that side. On my left, currently is at profound hearing loss and I am aided with a cochlear implant on my left. I have just graduated a couple years ago with my degree in nursing and previously I was also doing a diploma in nursing as well. Now I'm working in the ward. So just now you mentioned cochlear implants and hearing aids. Maybe you can just clarify what's the difference between a cochlear implant and a hearing aid? So hearing aid is very common, commonly used now. You see almost every day that people actually use it. So the hearing aid is actually an amplification device that is external. So you can just wear it on and it will actually amplify all the sounds that you are hearing on a daily basis and basically just aids in you trying to catch things that you might have missed out because of the hearing loss. For the cochlear implant, it works the same way except for the fact that it is surgically implanted in your cochlea. It requires an external processor to process the sound and directly into your auditory nerve. So you're able to like have that sound that you hear, but directly into your mm. head. And also just now you mentioned profound hearing loss mm. and severe hearing loss. So maybe you can just explain it a little bit. Okay, so you know, you have the banana graph on hearing loss. And basically the standard is that you have your normal hearing. There's a normal threshold for that. There is a minor hearing loss moderate, severe, and profound. So profound is basically a level where a hearing aids may or may not be beneficial enough for you. And it's usually indicative of cochlear implant unless you don't qualify. So I was diagnosed with moderate to severe hearing loss when I was about four. And my hearing is not so stable in such a sense that it fluctuates. And some days it's very good, some days it's very bad. Mm. But on bad days, it's usually on severe loss around that threshold. My left has always been profound since young, so I'm not able to hear anything at all from my left ear. And it's literally at the bottom of the chart. And hearing it was not beneficial for me, so I was only dependent on my right when I was growing up. Then things got a little bit messy along the way that my hearing started to dwindle probably about 3 years ago, which is why I needed to get cochlear implant to actually sustain my right because I was straining my ear too much and I think it also contributed to the drop and also the stresses at that point of time. What inspired you to study nursing? I was actually convinced to join nursing by a lecturer then and I think as we went along when I actually did my diploma, I fell in love with nursing. I think I did pretty well in poly actually. After that, I actually went on to get my license. So this license is something that you need to get. Whoever's in healthcare, they need the license to practice. So 
After I completed my poly studies in diploma for nursing, I went to apply for my license and I didn't get it outright. I think because of my hearing loss, I have to go through like a prolonged period of waiting where I need a medical report for my hearing loss, given questions like what's your hearing condition encompassed, what accommodation is required, are you able to work in the ward, and things like that. And so I didn't get my license and couldn't do any nursing related jobs. But you fulfilled the criteria for your poly, you finished your nursing diploma in poly. But despite that, you could not get your license. Yeah. So, it's probably largely due to... My hearing your, loss, your yeah. yeah. I think at that point, I did come across nurses or like different people who have hearing loss and they're in the healthcare side. But then because they are later on in their stages in their life. So, when they apply for all this, they don't have any medical conditions. So, coming in with hearing loss already from young... I think it served a very different situation mm-hmm. because my hearing was not stable. My hearing has the fluctuation component. So I cannot guarantee that I can hear on this. If And they like to ask, oh, what's your plan in like a couple of years down the road? And I can't give you anything because I myself, I don't know how well I can still hear at a point in future. That was a struggle. So I couldn't get my license and I didn't have much option at the point so it's either I would further study then I'll try again or I quit and do something else but I always wanted to be in healthcare so I wanted to further study and between the choice of two universities so I couldn't get in SIT I think mainly because I didn't have my license they require SMB cert because majority of their I think applicants are already Daphnus working, whereas NUS is more of JC kids coming in. So okay. I graduated. I we applied for the license because by then it's already been four or five years since my last application. I reapplied again after I got my degree, and they told me I had to apply via hospital. So this nursing application you can apply yourself or via hospitals. If you are sponsored, then the hospital will apply for you. But I couldn't apply myself. So I had to find hospitals that would be willing to take me before they could go on the process of getting my license. I just want to bring up that for a person without a disability, just graduating from poly with a diploma in nursing after two years, they would easily be able to get their license. And for you, you had to do two extra years in NUS. That just emphasizes how huge the barrier is towards people with yeah. disabilities entering healthcare professions. Yeah, I think that's something that was also very lacking. Mm. Because when I entered NUS, it was the period of time where I went from being independent to, for the first time, actually needing help. Mm. Where I needed note takers and there was, you know, the option of having interpreters. Okay. But because I was brought up orally, I never had that exposure to sign language at the point of time. I only started picking pieces for my friends, but I was not fluent or proficient. There was an option that I couldn't have, and the note-taker was hard because of the nature of the course. In Singapore, there is so many people with hearing loss who need a note-taker, mm. but the pool of note-takers available is so small. But to get a note-taker, with medical exposure, it's even harder. 
you know like lectures there's a lot of jargon that is hard to catch if you don't have medical exposure and coming from a note taker who has no experience and you dump that note taker into medical causes and because of the nature of nursing I cannot have a note taker with me when I go for my attachments and despite the fact that educational materials was not accessible because videos have no exception. Just was I was about to graduate COVID hit when they shifted to hybrid learning. Oh no. It was barely accessible and it's hard to find individuals who are willing to share their notes with you. Like your classmates weren't willing to help you. I would say it was because I didn't have a lot of time to build relationships with my classmates mm. because I'm always jumping around. Yeah. So, my disability officer had to source externally for individuals who are able to caption, but the downtime is two to three weeks. Right. So, I give my resource and I get it maybe one to two weeks before my exams. I was lagging a lot and so I have to do double the work oh. because I will go through my own notes that I'm able to catch and I try to get my friends who are able to share the notes and I have to match it and it becomes one entire long educational material for that one lesson and it takes a toll on you. Mm. I'm so exhausted every day. I mean, it feels like your extracurricular activity is just dealing with your disability. It's so (laughs) difficult. I mean, you know, most of us, we go home after a long day of lessons you know, we wind down. <laughs> but you go home and you think, oh my god, how do I get the resources accessible to me for the next day of lessons? Yeah, I think my two years studying for my degree was... I wouldn't say I enjoyed it a lot because I don't think I was able to experience that campus life. I think a lot of things suffered a lot because at that two years, not only was my hearing deteriorating and I was also struggling with, you know, asking for help trying to get and this is something that healthcare professionals even as a patient myself when I go to hospitals they are not equipped or they are not exposed to how they are able to better support patients let alone students who are trying to learn I mean you cannot exclude like those very few healthcare professionals they are very very inclusive but if you have to see changes you have to see in the majority so I struggled a lot in NUS I think that was a very eye-opening experience because the first-hand inaccessibility that you, you find is very, very hard because there's no one else who's able to advocate for you except yourself. I didn't want to start when COVID just started because I have a new set of challenges now that I have cochlear implant because I have never used cochlear implants before and it itself is also a set of challenge that it takes a while to actually get your bearings on. I think during the period where we remember the first COVID wave, I got rejected yeah. because of the COVID situation. They were not able to supervise me. There was not enough manpower. That was very big slap in the face. Mm. <laughs> because after all the troubles that I went through to secure... Four years. Four Actually years. Actually five years. <laughs> yeah, I think this year will be the fifth maybe. I think mm. so. From 2018 all the way until now. I mean, you had to put in, what, twice or thrice the amount of time and effort that a person without a disability would have to put in to get their license, and you still have not gotten your license. Yeah, and after being rejected by the first hospital, I went to apply to another few other hospitals, and I was also rejected, or I was offered admin. That's a common theme, actually, among people with disabilities. Like, even though you're fully qualified, you have a degree... 
Yeah, if you didn't have the capability, you wouldn't pass all your practicals Correct. and stuff like that. Because it's not like they paid special attention to me just because I have hearing loss. Exactly. There was no special accommodation at mm. all. But I was lucky that the current hospital that I'm with, they were really, really open-minded. So I declare and I lay all up front on the table the same thing I do to the board and they said, sure, I was rejected by the hospitals and this licensure thing is going to be a very, very demanding process. The HR was like, we had done a couple of this before and they're all practicing now and it's not like I could get note takers or like things like that. You know, I'm really left on my own and hearing conversations with the mask is one thing Hearing conversation with N95 is another thing. I don't have the luxury to elaborate. Uh, because it's completely opaque and it's so muffled. And I think this is something very sad because no matter how much I try, there's always this thing that is bogging me down. And in after a while, it's like a quicksand that you can't get out of. I'm very, very thankful that I have a solid nursing uh, manager that is very understanding. She said, yes, when you have all these conditions, but we are the one who decided to take you in despite knowing all these conditions. And it's not like you didn't declare. It's all laid out. And the fact that we took you in, we also have the responsibility to make sure that we try to make the environment as conductive and safe for you to practice in. Since you have been working in the hospitals for a few months now, hmm. what are some of the workarounds and accommodations that you use to make it easier for yourself at the workplace? I went through very intense speech therapy and I was taught how to live with. So that was kind of my coping mechanism when it comes to compensating for my hearing loss. But because I cannot do it because of the mask, I make it a habit to write down. If I have difficulty clarifying, I will write down and ask the person to confirm. Because okay. I know nobody will want to take their time to write and show you, right? So I would write and I would show Rather than, you know, asking like an open-ended question, it will always be like a very close-ended question where it's either yes or no, it's hard mm. to miss. And I always make sure that there is this close feedback where if I receive an order, I repeat the order to make sure that we're on the same page mm. and we are both having the same orders. So this is some part of the things that I try to accompany for my hearing loss. And I told my colleague, if I don't respond to you, just yell for me. Mm. If I do ignore you as a certain point, sometimes I don't hear you because it's so noisy. Mm. Because I have no bone conduction, so I hear noise, but I don't know where is it coming from. Sometimes with patients as well, because they might think you're just ignoring them, yeah. but actually you just have difficulty hearing yeah, them. Yeah, correct. So I think this was a struggle in, you know, attachments, and I think there was also feedback regarding like, oh, doctors complain that might ignore them. Yeah. And I think all these things is not something that I am not aware of. Mm. Because it's a reoccurring theme. I'm used to all these feedbacks. And I think the only way that you can try to mediate this issue is that when if you take the time to get to know me. And that's when I think doctors, they are more understanding. I make it a habit where I check on my patient multiple times, routinely. So at least I don't miss out on whatever they want or they may need. So if I miss out on one meeting after checking in at one, I can always make sure I do it at my next check-in with the patient. And I think this has been quite helpful. The main issue is to the phone call. How do you deal with the phone call situation actually? Um, in my current ward, there is one phone that I could adjust the volume at and okay. that I could hear on and the other phone that I couldn't hear on. And unfortunately, that phone that I couldn't hear on is always ringing. So I felt very bad because like you say, a lot of the phone calls are part of the nursing care that you have to give to patients. 
in the doctor's call and things like that. And this with one part where I really like about my current hospital that I'm in is that I'm able to text the doctor. So it's all written. Thanks for sharing that experience. It was yeah. very insightful. So can I ask, building upon these lines, what changes do you think can be made so that working in hospitals is more accessible for healthcare workers with hearing loss? The first thing I'll definitely do is ready to give a workshop on disability, but this workshop has to be given by people with disability themselves. Mm. And sometimes there's this trick where you can actually get people on board. Because sometimes when you tell them that, oh, I have this disability, and if you don't give them any options for them on how they can accommodate you, they have no idea how to do that. And that, I feel, is a very, very important trick when it comes to getting healthcare workers on board to supporting you during work. If you give them a few options, like they can try, and mm. different people have different ways of dealing with it. So it's good to actually explore that. Personally, as a nursing student coming in, let's say, as a fresh graduate who's starting nursing, you have to have this very honest talk with your uh, manager, It's always establish that difficult conversation first because Mm. that will save your life down the road. Mm. And being open-minded and finding things that works for you and what doesn't work for me. Mm. Because my hearing may not be the same as your hearing. Some people may take a longer time, but there should be expectations set that yes, I'm coming with a disability and yes, I have all these issues and yes, I may miss some information but I try but my best. But these are the things I'm doing to compensate. Mm. And I'm sorry in advance. I'm open to options. Mm. And if you actually encourage people to be on this critical thinking board with you. There's so many solutions you can yeah, think of correct. actually. It's an important skill to be able to get people on board on your side with and support you. you. And this is something that very important for people with disabilities who want to go in healthcare no matter what. But as someone with hearing loss, Getting your colleagues understand that you may not catch and sometimes you might need their help and you try to help them back in ways that you can. I think it creates a very cohesive working relationship Mm. where you help me, I help you. And we're both happy because we help each other, you know, and Mm. that's where the teamwork comes in. So what are some of the attitudes that patients and fellow healthcare professionals have towards healthcare workers with disabilities that you have observed in the workplace? I think the main misconception was that they cannot be in healthcare. I think it makes, it breeds to a lot of misconceptions that people with disabilities cannot be healthcare workers. You know, disabled individuals are not, they are not capable to achieve all these things. I feel if you are confident in yourself and your disability and you are unafraid of saying that because I'm deaf, I think it will stun people because they will be like, oh, she has hearing loss. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. Sometimes having this confidence and having that conversation will kind of shift people's mindset a little bit. Where now there's a lot more voices about disabled individuals in the media, but then you don't see those in healthcare. In general, how have you seen societal attitudes towards people with hearing loss change over the years in Singapore? So have you seen any improvement over the years? Yeah, yeah definitely. It will take years, it's a marathon, yeah. yeah. But you have to be of that mindset. It's not just, oh, it's a rare thing that is only happening in one in thousands of people, you know. Anybody with disability can be your neighbours, exactly. your sisters, like your brothers, thing, your parents. a very normal variation that occurs Correct. in society and that should be accepted. 
Who not to say that you yourself might have a disability mm, in future? In future. You can say all these things you don't like about, you know, people with disability. Oh, they can't walk, they can't do this, they can't do that. But have you ever spoken to one? How do you think healthcare workers with disabilities can actually value add to healthcare and to their patients? I think people with disabilities, they have a lot to offer to healthcare. If you are going to push for accessible healthcare for all, Having these people on board as people with authority, you are bringing healthcare to a greater heights where you're mm. actually making this accessible and inclusive. You know, it's ideal where we have a hospital that takes care of the vulnerable. But sometimes, there's a disconnect. Mm. Yeah, healthcare has always been such an off-topic for people with disabilities because, mm. oh, I have disability, how can I become a doctor? How can I become a nurse? But actually, you can understand better what your patients are going through. So maybe you would be a better nurse or a better doctor. You can have any chronic illnesses and still be a doctor. Yes, it will be hard, but it's achievable. Definitely. And it's not on you. It should be a collective effort. Before we end this interview, what is one message you would like to convey to the audience so that we can work towards more inclusivity in healthcare? I think as somebody who is in healthcare, you are at a very privileged position where you in between sometimes life and death, sometimes life-changing decisions between you and your patients. And as somebody who have that knowledge and have that authority to make a change in somebody's life, I will strongly encourage you all to go out and explore on social causes you don't have to go and be so ambitious, but I hope this conversation that we had today will actually bring out that curiosity in you mm. that you want to be an ally. <laughs> you know, whether or not you're an ally to LGBT or you want to end hunger or you want to, you know, help the community. Whoever comes to healthcare, they always have this innate desire yeah, to help people. If you do take the time to get to know and try to support these individuals trying to make changes ground up. You are making a very big change by yourself. As a student, you can start something very, very small. But no matter what course you are going to go for, make sure to include the people that you want to help. Make sure that in your team, you have disabled individual. Make sure in your team, that it's LGBTQ people. And if you truly want inclusion, it has to start within yourself. When you are actually inclusive, you will convince other people to be on board with you. And Precisely. it's a slow spreading joy that, you know, will go on. And it's a ripple effect, you yeah, know. Yeah. You don't have to throw a stone and make a big ripple. You can throw a small pebble and this mm. ripple effect, you don't see it now, but you'll see the fruits of your work in a couple of years down the road. And this causes, it's not going to be immediate gratification. I tell you that for sure. But it will be worth it. And I thank you in advance <laughs> for taking the time to listen to me today. And I'm hoping we can have more of these conversations in future. And hopefully healthcare to be a lot more inclusive. If yeah. we come together and collectively make this a solid voice, no one can silence that voice. Thanks, Claudia. <laughs> I enjoyed my time today with you so much. And... I just know that so many people will be positively impacted by hearing your story. Thank you so much for today. I hope you enjoy. Bye.